Welcome to Meldon Law and Friends, your weekly podcast from Meldon Law, a statewide law firm with its primary office in Gainesville and also covering the entire South Florida area, the Tri-County area from Miami-Dade through Broward, through Palm Beach County, and also, of course, in Marion County and Ocala. Jeffrey Meldon, it's New Year's Day 2021. How many people, not just nationwide, worldwide, are so happy to say that date? Yeah, absolutely, uh, Chris. We're excited. <laughs> We're moving into a new year, uh, and there's hope on the way. I, I agree. And still, you know, as we've been talking, we finished strong at Meldon Law in 2020. 2020 was the most unusual year I've had in my 49 years of practicing law. It was absolutely unpredictable. We started out with visions of a normal year. It soon morphed into what we thought was gonna be a disaster. And somehow we stuck together. We pulled our team uh, closer in many ways. Uh, we figured out how to go paperless at the same time <laughs> as you know, uh, becoming the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators. And we did it all during madness. We, we did it, and I, I attribute it to your leadership. And like you said, we pulled the troops together back in mid-March, early April, and said, look, we can go one of two ways. You know, We can cave, or we can just rally and move forward. And really, the last month and a half of 2020 was, was pretty incredible. Yes, uh, you know, a lot of it I attribute to uh, the mastermind group I, I'm in with 25 other uh, major law firms around the United sure. States because uh, we were meeting every week and discussing what was going on, and they gave me the courage to uh, expand rather than contract. And with that thought in mind about how we started incorporating new technology, of course, Zoom was totally foreign to us. Today, on our show, we're doing something different. This is our 10th episode of Meldon Law and Friends, which is by in itself pretty incredible. But we're doing a virtual guest, an amazing man, a guy by the name of Nathan Whitaker, I mean, we could talk for the entire th next 30 minutes about his accomplishments, an author, lawyer, football player, public speaker, entrepreneur, sports agent, many things. But Nathan, welcome to the program. Well, thanks, Chris. Thanks, Jeffrey. It's it's good to be on. And gosh, I kind of like the idea of you just talking about me for 30 minutes. Uh, that sounds <laughs> good. From my aspect. Uh, it's great to be on. And and yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's good to have the... Uh, have the page turned on 2020. A lot of good things that came out of 2020, but a lot of time, yeah, it's, it's nice to be moving forward. No question about that. So I saw so many amazing things from your resume. You played football for the head ball coach, Steve Spurrier. Let's start a little bit about that. Sure. Well, just a disclaimer from the beginning, I look so much more impressive on paper than I really am. Uh, <laughs> but I do appreciate that. Yeah, so I got to play for Coach Spurrier. I actually was recruited uh, to play baseball at Duke. And then the coaching staff there um, invited me to walk on as kind of a preferred walk on. The wrinkle came um, in that the staff that um, was inviting me to walk on all left and they hired Coach Spurrier. So I was thrilled as a kid who'd grown up in Gainesville, but I was also a little concerned because I didn't have any relationship with him or the new coaches. And it ended up being just such a great blessing to play for him for the three years he was there. And, you know, we really coached him up, taught him everything he needed to know. And then he put it. You in coached him up. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you. I believe you. He's really just put it into practice. What position did you play? I was a kicker and punter. So I was uh you know, my my grandmother thought it was great that I played the position where if the other guys hit me, it was a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> where did you go to high school? I went to Eastside. Here in okay. Gaines. Nope. Now, you, your family is fifth generation Florida. Tell us a little bit about the history of your family. Yeah, so my, uh, my mom grew up in uh, the St. Pete area, actually in Seminole, Florida, right by Clearwater. Okay. And her her dad, my granddad, developed the Seminole Mall and and had nurseries and the like, and but it was very much old Florida. She talks about you know growing up and having a pet alligator um, and peacocks on their property, and and all of which, of course, is developed and paved now. But uh, but I grew up hearing those stories, and and we've been around a long time. So after going off to college and law school, it was nice to get back down to my roots and and be in uh, in Florida. And again, a 
not only fifth generation Floridian, but a fourth generation, um, I guess I'm actually third generation. My daughter's a fourth generation Gator. And so it was good to, uh, my wife um, accused me, I got a master's a few years ago and it was a one-year program through the business school at UF. And I was telling her, you know, it was even though I had a law degree and even though I had my undergrad degree, I, I said, this is a short little business program. It'll really be helpful for me. And she rolled her eyes and said, you picked the shortest thing that finally made you a Gator. <laughs> <laughs> so how did your family wind up in Gainesville? My dad came here to go to law school in 73 and then they never left. And uh, so he practiced law for a number of years here in town and and now is doing ministry stuff. And he actually coached baseball at UF. I went off to, to Duke to play baseball and football and he ended up coaching at the same time. He had been at first at Eastside with me and then at Santa Fe College um, and then went over to Florida. And so it was funny, it was my dream had been to go to Omaha and, and you know, to the College World Series. And the dream came true, but I was in the stands watching my dad on the field. Um, <laughs> so I thought, you know, this isn't exactly how I'd envisioned it, but it was still pretty cool. So you say your dad started law school in 1973. Gee, that might have been about the time a certain <laughs> Mr. Meldon started his law practice. I'm surprised they, they might have run into each other at some point in time. I'm yeah. sure they did. So now after um, you went to Duke, you went to um, uh, Harvard Law School, which in and of, of itself is very prestigious and uh, did very well there. And then you kind of went into a traditional, um, uh, you know, you were what, a law clerk for Judge uh, Terrell Hodges? Right, right. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was one of my favorite judges. What was it like um, clerking for him? Fantastic. Just a great experience. And and, you know, I didn't, having watched my dad practice law, I wasn't sure that's what I wanted to do. Um, respected it very much, but wasn't entirely certain. But I was an English major and finished law, uh, finished college and couldn't figure out what you do with an English major. And so I was going to take all the tests, the LSAT, the GMAT, the GRE, and then sort through grad school. And the LSAT was first and it went really, really well. And so found myself at Harvard and thought, again, you know, I'm just getting more training. Who knows what I'll do with it? And then my dad had clerked for Judge Hodges in the 70s, right out of coming out of law school. And then um, and so I, I knew Judge Hodges growing up and the like. So he I was fortunate enough for him to hire me and getting to your question. So thoughtful, so reasoned with everything he did. Um, never heard him use his gavel. One time he slammed his hand down on the <laughs> on his on it on the bench. Um, cause he got upset with an attorney who, you know, he told him several times, do not say, and the attorney started down that path. And, but he always said, you know, if you use power, you lose some of it. And so he felt like, you know, and, and he would, he would let us know in chambers every now and then, Mr. Whitaker, um, uh, you know, if you don't get this order to my desk, I'll have the U S marshals, uh, come <laughs> to at your home and so, the order from that, you know, you knew he had the power. What I remember about Judge Hodges, though, in, a, in addition to the fact he was an outstanding judge, huge Gator fan, and, and I'll just give the short version of the story. I, I once had a civil hearing from him, and it was a pretty hotly contested back and forth. All of a sudden, his judicial assistant came in, whispered something in his ear, and he very quietly said, we will now take an adjournment. We learned later that head coach Ron Zook had paid a visit to him, and he wanted to talk and greet Coach Zook. It was right when he first became named head coach. And after a little bit, he came back and resumed the hearing. Hey, I don't blame him. I've done the same thing. I'm not surprised. He, uh, No, you'll see him often still at, at a ton of games, Gator games. And he, uh, in fact, shortly after I was hired, <clears throat> Chief Justice uh, Rehnquist wrote a note to him um, saying, Terry, you know, you, you, it's my understanding that you hired a new law clerk without conducting any open interviews. And, and so if you don't mind just for, you know, documentary purposes, please, um, please give us some explanation of what happened. And he said, well, I watched, so the note, and I still have it. In fact, I was looking at it the other day uh, on my desk, but he wrote back to the chief justice. um, um, He said, I watched Mr. Whitaker grow up. His father clerked for me in the seventies. So I watched Mr. Whitaker grow up. I saw him attend Duke and Harvard Law School. He graduated cum laude from both. Um, Obviously, someone needed to complete his education. And given that I have two degrees from the University of Florida, I was that person. 
And so <laughs> he put the gator through and through. So when I got my master's, I called him and said, Judge, I've, I've finally added to my education with something wow. that counts. And he thought that. So you went to work for the Jaguars then after I that? I did. Well, I practiced law for two years um, after clerking. A huge firm in Greensboro, North Carolina, 250 attorneys across the state. Great firm, great people. And I just, civil litigation was not for me. And so I was there two years and then landed a job with the Jaguars. So I spent- How did you wind up getting that job with the Jags? So in addition to coaching baseball, my dad had represented a couple of players uh, coming out of UF along the way. And so through his connections, had gotten to meet some people around the league. And so uh, one of those folks was then with the Jaguars. And so I was hired by the Jaguars. My my first year, there were- um, they had, you know, they, they kind of thought they, they knew what they were going to do with me down the line, but just coming in, they needed somebody to handle travel. So my first year, I'm coming in out of practicing law and, and a law school background, and I'm learning how to use Excel so that I can make an airline seating chart. And I'm putting this coach <laughs> here next to this coach. And then somebody later tells me, oh, those two coaches aren't really getting along so great. And so I'm like, I'm thinking there's no way that any of my education trained me for this. So spent three years at the Jaguars doing first travel and then um, and then what they had in mind, the salary cap work and contract negotiations with coaches and players. And so I was there three years all told and, and it was a good run. That was the Weaver family back when they owned it, right? Correct. The Weavers owned it. Coach Coughlin was the head coach and we went 14 and two uh, my second year there and really had some great teams, great players. Now, that must have been a lot more fun than sitting in a corporate law office. You know, there were a couple of times, one time in Tampa in particular, not to jump ahead with my <laughs> with my story, but one day we were, <clears throat> Coach Gruden had come on with the Bucks, and I'm all stressed out. Um, in particular, we were losing, or I don't remember what, but I'm walking in into the office across the parking lot, and I'm thinking, man, this this stinks. I can't believe, what, what did I think? What was I thinking taking this job? And I looked down, I'm wearing shorts, tennis shoes, a Buccaneers t-shirt. And I thought, you know, I could be taking depositions right now. Um, <laughs> and I thought, you know, I really, be careful what you complain about, right? We've, we've got to take a break in just a minute. By the way, I, I've, you're going to have to meet my son, who is the world's biggest Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. <laughs> Trust me, since he was an infant, literally, he was a, a Buccaneers fan. And uh, he is so happy right now. We'll talk about that after the break. But you are, again, watching Meldon Law and Friends, a weekly podcast from Meldon Law. Take a look at our website, www.meldonlaw.com, or give us a call anytime, toll-free, statewide, nationwide, at 1-800-373-8000. Our primary practice areas are personal injury law and criminal defense. However, if it's any other type of matter, give us a call anyway. Jeffrey will steer you in the right direction, and no matter what it is, give us a call 24-7. Also, I've been reminded by our producer to tell you that you can watch us today, of course, Friday, the first day of January 2021 on Facebook at Meldon Law Facebook page, but we also are on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Player.fm, Deezer, or whatever, whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. So by all means, take a look at Meldon Law and Friends. We will be right back. Thanks so much for watching. I was driving behind a lady and very suddenly she moved out of the way. There was a log laying in the road. And when I hit my brakes, I went on top of the log. I had two herniated discs. I just haven't been the same since. Jeffrey Meldon fought for me all the way. Him and his team really went there for me. Throughout the whole lawsuit, he made sure that my bills was paid. It was never no whenever I called him and asked him for something. Being a client at Melvin Law was special because I felt like I was really being listened to and I felt welcome by the entire staff. If I were in a situation where I needed legal advice and help, I would absolutely reach out to Jeffrey because his reputation alone speaks for itself. But on a personal level, I know that he would take care of me and help me solve those problems and I would feel safe with him. Hello and welcome back to Meldon Law and Friends, your weekly podcast from Meldon Law Statewide Law Firm with its primary office in Gainesville 
and with offices in Marion County and Ocala and South Florida covering the entire Tri-County area from Miami-Dade through Broward through Palm Beach County. And this is January 1st, 2021, Jeffrey Meldon. And we've got a lot of other things we do to communicate with the community, such as the newsletter, all sorts of things going on. Yeah, and I wanted to invite everyone who's either listening or watching us to uh, check out our newsletter, Meldon Law Talk. Uh, we started it in 2007. We have over 15,000 subscribers. And the purpose of the newsletter is connect with members of the community. Sure. And it's not just <laughs> law topics. Jeffrey writes the feature article for every issue. Maybe about personal injury law. It may be about a trip to Israel. It may be about uh, any number of things. But we have recipes each month. We have a puzzle. We have all sorts of stuff. Uh, yeah, our trivial pursuit is one of our uh, favorite. <laughs> but we also have a lot of giveaways to the community because one of the purposes of Melden Law is to share our success with the community. Uh, during the holiday season, we've been giving away uh, free $25 gift certificates to Harry's Bar and Grill, it, uh, both in Gainesville and Ocala. And uh, the purpose is to uh, really uh, share uh, with our community. And we get these incredible letters from some of our subscribers talking about how meaningful it is for them to be able to go out and do things that they normally wouldn't do uh, because they're on a limited budget. Uh, and we're also trying to promote local businesses in our newsletter and uh, nonprofits and try to sure. uh, create a community uh, within the Meldon Law family. And let's not forget, one of the big accomplishments in 2020 is Meldon Law became and is the official community sponsor, law firm sponsor of the Florida Gators. Yeah, it was really a privilege to be chosen by the Florida Gators among all the other fine lawyers in the community to be the only uh, official law firm partner of the Florida Gators. And uh, in 2021, we are so excited to uh, carry that moniker uh, forward. And it's all sports, baseball, basketball, women's softball, gymnastics, track and field, lacrosse, whatever it is, you'll see Melden Law out there. So I know you're proud of that. You worked real hard. That was a tough negotiation, but it's over and we're, we're moving forward. Yeah, it, Chris, I, I mean, I go to a lot of the sports uh, events, you know, not only football and basketball, where I'm always at those games, but all the other sports. And we're going to be uh, all over the electronic boards on the uh, uh, in all the games. We're going to have some involvement. And it's such an honor to be uh, a Gainesville uh, resident and uh, a longtime member of the community and be involved in such a close way with the Florida Gators. So 2020 miraculously turned out to be one of our best. It, it really ever. did. So let's get back to our great guest, Nathan Whitaker, uh, a man of many, many talents. And one of them is you're a very accomplished author. You wrote a book about Tony Dungy, one of the most beloved, admired NFL coaches of all time. How did that evolve, Nathan? So I left the uh, left the Jaguars after three years and went to the Buccaneers. And I arrived in Tampa for Tony's last year as head coach of the Buccaneers. And so as I tell everybody, you know, it was a great year, not a great year, but it was great to be around Tony for a year. Tony, every now and then will, as he's telling the story, he'll tell people that Nathan and I worked together for two years. And I have to remind him it was one really, really, really long year. Um, his last year was, you know, was he going to be fired? There were rumors floating around all season. Uh, were they going to bring in Bill Parcells? Those were the rumors uh, that were floating at the time. And, and so it was week to week. And, and we started off losing more than we won. Finally got the ship righted and made the playoffs. But very stressful throughout. And the one person who was not totally pulling his hair out and stressed out was Tony. And... I asked Tony late in the season that he and I were alone in the locker room at one point. And I said, you know, coach, I really appreciate your witness in light of this whole circus. And Tony's response was, you know, sometimes I think that God wants there to be a circus so that people can see that there's another way to respond. And it wasn't this, hey, tough times, don't, you know, don't last, but tough people do, or all of which are valid. But it wasn't like, hey, I just got to slog through it. It was actually, this is where I'm supposed to be. And it's okay that it's hard. And 
I just, that resonated with me. I was there two more years. I was there with John Gruden. So we won a Super Bowl and I got this really big. You got the ring. How about that? Great, yeah. Great experience. Two years with John. Um, and then they came in and, and cleaned house and wanted all, all Gruden people. So they got rid of the rest of us dingy people who were there. And I went to my wife and I said, you know, I think Tony's approach to life, Tony's approach to balance. Tony would have staff meetings that his coaches wouldn't start until 8.30 because they knew they would work uh, into the evenings and not necessarily be able to tuck in their kids or whatever, see them at the end of the day. So Tony said, you know, let's start late enough to where our coaches can take our kids to school if, if they want to or whatever it may be. And so I just said to my wife, he's got such a different approach in this high stress environment. And pretty much every environment in the world is becoming more and more high stress. And maybe this can help people. And so to her credit, she said, great. And so we passed on offers from the Seahawks and the Falcons and, and decided to try to write a book. It talked me. It, the downside was that it took me three years to talk Tony into it. Tony was like, I don't think I have anything to share. And certainly people don't want to hear what I have to say. So I was basically unemployed following this dream for three years. Um, and then when they won the Super Bowl, um, publishers wanted it. Publishers were, were knocking down his door. And Tony said to them, I'll do it, but it has to be with Nathan because I trust him and I know his heart. And publishers, you know, they we, we found a number who were willing to do it. Tyndale was a great partner, but they were totally nervous. I had never written anything I had done. I tried to tell them, look, I did a bunch of 10-page papers as an English major. Uh, <laughs> for some reason, that didn't comfort them. And Tony said, look, Nathan will, Nathan will do it. It'll be fine. Now, how did you learn? How did you learn the process of writing a book? You know, I had no idea what I didn't know and basically um, just threw myself into it. And we wrote it in 24 days. Tony, thank goodness his mom taught English for 20 years and he would go through and my dad actually, we talked about my dad being an attorney. I would send it to my dad. He would clean up things. We'd send it to Tony. Tony would say, this isn't, I wouldn't use this word. This is a Harvard word. Um, so changed it to a University of Minnesota word. And, and so we were doing it on the fly. I had one friend at the time who had, who had published um, a book. And I said, I'd right at the beginning of the 24 days, I said, look, we told him we could do it in a month. So it would come out before the next football season started. And so we're on this crash course. And he said, you know, two things I'd tell you. First, call the publisher back and say, you know, nobody can do a month. I need more time. And I said, okay, well, that was our idea. So I really can't do that. <laughs> And he said, well, the second thing is write what you would want to read. And I said, okay, great. And wrote that down. I said, okay, what's next? And he said, that's it. And I said, okay, that's like the most unhelpful talk I've ever gotten. <laughs> but to his credit, as I was writing, I kept thinking, what would I want to read? And of course, I'm constrained. It's a memoir. So we can't make up facts or make things more interesting than they were. But what I had read at the time and what I still read a lot of are mysteries and thrillers and things where... You, the author clearly is trying to figure out ways to keep you engaged. What makes you turn the page? What makes you keep going? And so I kept thinking. And so there were times at which Tony would say, hey, you know, the end of this story, I, you know, we've, we've started out with what happened, but I relied on that later. And I said, right, let's make the way to uh, let's make the let's make the reader wait and 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 just kind of we're not going to spoon feed them. And. I don't know if any of it worked. It ended up selling a bunch of copies. And Well, I think uh, you're being a little modest. It was a number one New York Times bestseller, as I understand. Quiet Strength. I think that totally uh, encapsulates what uh, Tony was all about. No doubt. No doubt. It, it totally, it was the perfect title for him. And, and he's such a thoughtful person. But yes, it did incredibly well. And so this started, as I mentioned, as a I felt called to write this book about Tony, but it now has launched a whole career where, as you mentioned earlier, I'm doing speaking. So Tony and I've done seven books together, and then I've written with James Brown. Seven books. Seven books. We've done a book wow. on marriage, on leadership, on teamwork, a daily devotional. Um, and so those have spawned. And then again, the the book with Tim Tebow and James Brown, and, and those have spawned then getting to speak on leadership and doing uh, training with with corporations on teamwork and and so it's been this whole career that I never could have envisioned. Thank goodness I had that one year degree from Florida's Business School. To <laughs> uh, Nathan, but, I, so I want to ask you, you know, how did your training, you know, at Duke, uh, at um, Harvard Law School, prepare you to be a writer? And what are the 
were there any similarities between, uh, between practicing corporate law and being able to write this book? So I think so. I think, I think being able to express yourself is very, is very important. And one of the things Tony joked about Harvard words, um, but it was nothing like uh, dealing with James Brown, who actually played uh, basketball at Harvard. And he was throwing in all kinds of words I'd never heard of. Um, and so we were having to, but one of the things I learned, whether it was communicating in, in law school or, or in college, um, as a side note, Duke at the time only offered one creative writing class oh. and you had to submit a writing sample and I was rejected. Um, so as I tell the folks at Duke, it took me 17 years to recover from the rejection and start writing. <laughs> but all those experiences, frankly, um, taught me to write and write clearly and understand that I've got an audience, right? I'm writing to a judge. I'm writing this document that a client's going to read. And I need to, even though there are legal terms and there are terms of art and the like, I need my client to understand, okay, here's what you're advocating for me. And here's why. Similarly with the judge, the judge Hodges far smarter than I ever could dream of being. People ask me every now and then, would you ever want to be a district judge? And I'm like, well, yes, but I'm clearly not smart enough um, <laughs> based on a sample size of one person that I know. Um, but but he would take the most complex ideas and boil it down in a way that I could totally understand it or or the litigants could understand it. And I think that was very valuable in writing, in thinking, all right, I just my goal at the end of the day, I just want to be clear and I just want this to come across. I don't need to be the smartest guy in the room. I just need to be somebody who can communicate with the reader. So how did you evolve into writing other books? Did did uh some of those folks come to you and talk to you about uh, writing, uh, you know, their book, or did, were you seeking them out? Yeah. So Jeffrey, it was the craziest thing. So I finished Tony's book, and and as Chris said, you know, it, it hit number one. It just was on all the charts, and just an amazing experience. And the publisher came back to us and said, "Would you do a second book?" And Tony said, "Well, I've only got one, you know, life story. What else is there to do?" And so they said, well, how about a book of values? And so we wrote this book on common. And as that was, as that was um, happening, James Brown called and said, hey, I'm good friends with Tony. Tony said, you know, it was a pleasure working with you. Would you consider, he already had a deal in place. He needed a writer. And I'm thinking, you gotta be kidding me. And JB, this is typical JB, but at the end he's thanking me for taking his call. I'm like, you're, you're James Brown, who I watch on every Sunday. You gotta be right. kidding me. Of course so that was book number two. Then about a year later, so then the publisher came back for a third book with Tony. Um, and, and as that was happening, I got a call and it was Don Shula. And, you know, a Florida kid growing up here and, and watching all those teams. And I honestly thought I was being pranked by a friend. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm thinking there's no way Don Shula is cold calling me um, about writing a book and end up hanging out on his house, in his house on Key Biscayne and, and, he ended up not wanting to write it at the end of the day, but got to got to know him over four or five months um, and just an amazing experience. So most of them and then the Tebos, um, again, with my dad having been involved at the in the Athletic Association and being a Gainesville guy, uh, got connected with the Tebos. They had read Tony's book. And and so I actually ha I turned it down. Uh, they were trying to get it out before the draft. And I couldn't get it done that quickly because I was doing, I had a book of Tony's that had a deadline right before the draft. And Nathan, so I had to pass. I would love to keep going. Unfortunately, my producer is not <laughs> nudging me and uh, we, we've got to cut to, but I, okay. I have to say, you are one of the most inspirational, fascinating guests I think we've ever had on this show. Well, so I have a suggestion, Nathan. Um, I think there's a lot more that we have to talk about. How about if we have you back on again as a guest in, uh, uh, sometime in the future, and let's finish up this incredible it's, discussion that we've been having. That sounds great. That sounds right. great. I'm sorry for being How can people get a hold of you? Let's, you have a website, right? Uh, you do public speaking, personal coaching. You do so many things. How can people get a hold of you? So the easiest way is through the web, um, NathanWhitaker.com. It's Whitaker with one T, N-A-T-H. We'll put it up on the, we'll put it up on the graphic. <laughs> NathanWhitaker.com, but I'm also on Twitter. I'm on uh, Facebook and uh, LinkedIn and the like, and I do all my own social media. So I'm, I'm happy to connect with uh, anybody out there. So that'd be great. We appreciate you joining the show and we'll be right back. The Melvin Law Firm from the beginning has been built on giving back to the community. 
I enjoy coming to work as much today as I did in 1971 when I opened my practice. I don't look at this as a job, I look at it as serving other people. While we're alive, what better feeling can you achieve than knowing that you've helped other people and thereby you enrich your own life. I've done mornings here on Sky Radio for 17 years. Jeffrey Meldon started doing his weekend show here 16 years ago. One of the things that separates Jeffrey is I don't see him out there hollering for people's business. I see him out there investing in the community. He's touched a lot of lives, and a lot of it he'll never know what a difference he made in somebody's life about information that he has shared on the air. Hello and welcome back to Meldon Law and Friends, a weekly podcast from Meldon Law, a statewide law firm with three offices. Primary office in Gainesville. We have an office in South Florida covering the entire Tri-County area, Miami-Dade, Broward, all the way up through Palm Beach County, and in Central Florida in Marion County in Ocala. My name is Chris Qualman and joined, of course, by the host, founder of Meldon Law, CEO Jeffrey Meldon. Today is January 1st, 2021. Like I said in the earlier segment, hard to believe, but we're really saying that year, 2021. How yeah. happy could we be? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. We got some great uh, football this afternoon. And, uh, you know, who, what do you think? We got, what, Alabama is playing uh, Notre Dame. Is Notre Dame a pretender? I, I think, judging by, you and I watched that Notre Dame-Clemson game, and I know we've got a lot of Notre Dame fans out there, but <laughs> no, I, I don't think they're going to give Alabama too much competition. So I think it's pretty safe to say at least from my perspective, Alabama's going to the championship. And then we got Clemson against Ohio State. What do you think about that game? Well, I should ask you that question <laughs> because Jeffrey, of course, like you say, you always have two horses in the race. So Ohio State grad and, of course, a Florida fan and well, proud sponsor of the Gators. Yeah, but now there's a new element That's because right. it looks like the Jags are going to have Trevor Lawrence as their new quarterback, right? That's going to make somebody happy in our law firm. Ian Pickens, of course, <laughs> one of our attorneys, probably the biggest fan of the Jags I know. So I know he's happy about that. So I don't know. I think Clemson looks really strong, but that running back for Ohio State who had that huge game end of the season, it could go either way. Yeah, that's a real ball game. I, I think uh, – it, there's three great teams that are in the uh, playoffs. Right. Sorry, Notre Dame. Don't think you deserve to be there. <laughs> anyway. But, but we'll see what we'll, happens. We'll see what happens. But, we want to just say a couple of quick administrative things, a little bit of housekeeping. We are video-wise. You can watch us and listen to us on Facebook. You can go to the Meldon Law Facebook page, and you can watch even our old archived shows. This is our 10th episode of Meldon Law and Friends. We had the head ball coach. We had Dr. Pete Delicato. Gosh, we had Shane Matthews. So many great guests. Yeah, it's been exciting. And we've had uh, a great lineup so far. And in, uh, in 2021, we're going to really uh, bust out and, uh, you know, expand it even more. So Facebook, YouTube, you can go. We have a YouTube channel for Meldon Law and Friends, Meldon Law Firm. Just look us up. You'll find us. Google it. If nothing else, you'll find our podcast. But... Our producer was telling me before we went back on the air that we are on 25 different audio podcasts, but the big ones are Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Player.fm, Deezer, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Subscribe to us. Uh, our, idea, our goal has always been from day one, Meldon Law and Friends, community-oriented, put on great shows with great content. Yes, Chris, and, and I want to thank all of our viewers and listeners. It's been a, uh, a great year uh, for, for us in 2020 uh, to finish up strong and uh, keep evolving. And uh, in 2021, uh, we look forward to another really good year of growth. Great year of growth for the firm. Great year of growth for this podcast. So keep watching and take a look at our website, www.meldenlaw.com. Or call us anytime, toll-free at 1-800-373-8000. Our primary practice areas are personal injury cases, big truck crashes, motor vehicle crashes, trip and fall, slip and fall. We also do criminal defense, including DUI. But whatever the case may be, whatever the type of case, give us a call. Jeffrey knows everybody. <laughs> we'll steer you in the right direction.
And, and uh, thank you again for watching. If you need any help, uh, our phone number is 1-800-373-8000. We're glad to get you in the right direction on any matter. Or you can go to meldenlaw.com and uh, join our uh, newsletter list uh, and just give us a call. Say we'd like to join the newsletter, and we will surprise you with uh, our gift box. <laughs> you'll, you'll be surprised with some really cool things. So, But let's get to our guest. I know this is somebody you've known for a long time, so I'm going to toss to you and let you introduce this man. Okay, Brian Edelstein is uh, a friend of mine for 20 years. I uh, think I met him uh, first sitting outside a Dragonfly restaurant uh, with our mutual <laughs> friend, Mark Mark Mizell. And uh, Mark says, hey, I want you to meet this guy and. Uh, I think they were selling advertising for Insight Magazine or something like that. And uh, uh, since that time, uh, you've been doing uh, great. And we're going to talk a little bit Say about that. Say the least. That. He's done a little better since then. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about your story, uh, Brian. Like, uh, you, you came to the University of Florida uh, when and uh, what? how does everything evolve since then? Sure, sure. Um, I came to school here in 96 graduated in 2000 and um, started a couple businesses that that really took off um, you know uh, started and bought a couple businesses that took off in the early 2000s and always planned on leaving Gainesville uh, but just never could it, it just it sucked you boy. in yeah. like him like, never like, left Gainesville was I, for those of you that don't know that listen to our show regularly so people come up here from South Florida and they think this is kind of the Hicksville, right? That's exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and they go, well, I'm not going to stay here. And then all of a sudden they get the gator fever and they get involved with Gainesville. And that happened to you. Yeah. I, so, you know, I had some uh, I had some early success with business here. And I, after I sold um, the publishing company, uh, we did a handful of publications at that time. We, we added visitor magazines, direct mail publications, and I sold that. And I always figured I would move back to South Florida and get out of the Hicks. Uh, get out of the sticks, like you said. And um, I just, uh, you know, I looked at it and I said, I, I don't want to go back to South Florida. And so I've been here in Gainesville since uh, 96 for three or four years. I was back and forth between here and California when I was producing uh, some television. And then for a few years, I was in New York, um, but still had a place here. And so I've always uh, even when traveling, I've, I've, Gainesville has always been my home, even if I was spending more time somewhere else. So I remember Insight Magazine, you know, you were selling uh, advertising in it uh, many years ago. Yep. And um, how did you decide to get into uh, that? So um, when, I was, uh, when I was in college, I owned a bar here called Martini's. And um, the, the publisher of uh, Insight Magazine sold me an ad. We started, uh, we started talking, became friends. I ended up buying, after I sold the, the bar, I ended up buying the magazine from him and then uh, added direct mail publications and visitor magazines and entertainment guides. So it was a, you know, we had a, a small media company um, that I grew over probably a three or four year period and eventually sold. And so, uh, that's that's how I ended how up there. What did you learn from direct marketing? Um, so, you know what you what you realize. What I loved about what I loved about the publishing business, while it's a really really challenging business, um, I got to interact with every business owner in town, and you become. Uh, it, it was a great learning learning experience for me because. When you can interact with, like yourself, the top lawyer in town, and you can interact with the top restaurateur in town, and you can interact with the highest grossing dominoes in the world, you know, the founder of that, and you can interact with all these different businesses, you just, you know, they're just interesting conversations, and you pick their brain, and before you know it, you're, you're sitting across from a marketing genius or a guy who's built a, you know, a small empire, and so what I loved about that sales process and with the magazines was just the sheer number of businesses that I was exposed to and just a ton of really, really smart people and learning about all these different businesses and industries. And um, I think it, it served me well over the years just to have like a good sense of, is this business going to succeed? Is there a true need 
Um, are they filling the need? Is the person who's running it, can they execute well and, and get the job done and, and really succeed? You know, it's interesting because when I met you, you were literally just a, a kid, right? Yeah. You know, you're a 20, 21-year-old yeah. kid, and now, you know, now you've had all these successful But businesses. you really owned a bar before you were 21. <laughs> I actually read that and I thought, no, wait a minute, how did you own a bar before you were 21? Uh, so it's a funny story. I was, at the time, I was promoting some different bars, and, um, and I was looking for another bar to promote. It was very, very successful when I was in college. And um, I met uh, I met someone who had the bar underneath, and so what we did was we we basically leased the liquor license from him. And because I didn't actually own the liquor license, okay. but rather leased it um, legally and contractually, it was okay to do that. So we built out a whole space. It was called Martinis. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty uh, pretty pretty nice bar, if I don't say so myself. It was uh, it, it was a great spot, and so. So we, we leased that license, and I opened the bar and ran it and uh, for a couple of years and then ultimately uh, sold it. And it was uh, probably my first true business endeavor, uh, you know, at, at scale. As I understand it, you, you, you learned something uh, from trying to run a, a business <laughs> like that. Uh, and what was one of the lessons you learned uh, after running that bar for two years? Well, I learned that I would rather promote the bar than own the bar <laughs> um, because, uh, you know, I, I was having tons of fun. When I was promoting the bars in college, I was having tons of fun. I would go there, drink, have a good time. And then, uh, you know, at the end of the night, I'm done. Now, all of a sudden, I own the bar and we're dealing with, you know, employees and payroll taxes and liquor search, you know, and just, you know, I'm, I'm running the business. And uh, it was a great learning experience. Um, but I realized uh, there's easier ways to make money than running a, a, I, I think a retail we're gonna, establishment. We're going to get into some more things when we come back. Right. Uh, we we got to cut to a break. My producer's nudging me. But once again, a fascinating story. I think if anybody ever qualifies for the title serial entrepreneur, <laughs> you'd be that guy. So maybe we come back, talk a little bit more about your entrepreneurial efforts. Maybe some advice, you know, for young people who, like yourself, coming out of college, might feel a little lost, a little disoriented about where they want to go with their lives, I think you're the guy to to give that kind of advice. You've been watching Meldon Law and Friends, a weekly podcast from Meldon Law, a statewide law firm with offices in Gainesville, South Florida, and Marion County and covering the entire state. Call us anytime, toll free at 1-800-373-8000. Jeffrey Meldon and I welcome you to the show. We've got one more great segment. New Year's Day edition, January 1st, 2021. We'll be right back. Thank you for watching. And I was in an accident. Someone ran a red light and hit me, and I was hurt. You don't know where to turn. Luckily, I called Jeffrey. These big insurance companies, they don't want you to win. They truly don't. But Jeffrey and his firm and the people that work here, they just really fight for you. You call the law offices of Jeffrey Belden because you're going to need help, and they will help you. I was in a truck accident. Because of the accident, I resulted in three back surgeries. We saw advertisements on TV, and guess who popped up more often than that? It was Jeffrey. The communication that he provided was so appreciative that he shows his compassion as a human. He assisted us in achieving one of our dreams, the acquisition of a home. And we're here today with smiles on our face with the assistance from Jeffrey. Hello and welcome back to Melden Law and Friends. This is our special New Year's Day, January 1st, 2021 edition. This is our 10th podcast. We started this amazing, Jeffrey, 10 weeks ago. We're still clicking. Um, our producer tells us we have approximately forty to 50,000 weekly viewers. It's, it's really quite amazing. And I want to thank everybody. It uh, energizes us, and it we want to keep it going. <laughs> it does. It's a great start to the new year. We start work again in a couple of days for 2021. We've got some, we got some big cases we're working on and a great staff. I know you're excited about the, the, the new year for Melvin Law. Yes, uh, we've been uh, very uh, blessed to have the support of the community, and we look forward to uh, 
continuing our uh, success. It's, so, it's, uh, we had a great close to 2020, bigger and better things for 2021, and want to toss back to our guest, Brian Edelstein, who is a, like I said, a serial entrepreneur, but in a great way. What a success story coming out of the University of Florida, longtime friend of Jeffrey's, but maybe you could talk a little bit about what led you to being an entrepreneur. Obviously, you don't like working for other people. You'd rather work for yourself. You know, it's it's not that I mind working mm-hmm. for other people. I've uh, when when certain companies that I've had have been acquired, I've I've been an employee, and okay. and I like to think I'm like the best employee in the world because I know exactly what that company wants. Um, it's just kind of one thing has led me to the next, and you know, like anything, you find yourself down a path, and um, I, you know, I. My father was an entrepreneur. My uncle was an entrepreneur. My cousins are entrepreneurs. I mean, my, my father was in more businesses than I can count. He had an importing business. He manufactured hats. He had armored cars. He had a candy business, a tobacco business. Uh, um, my cousins owned the largest screen printing company uh, in the world. My, you know, so I've just been around lots of people in lots of different businesses. And I, I think it probably just rubbed off and, you know, you find an opportunity and you just you just go with it. It wasn't ever like this is what I want to do, and and I'm dead set on you know being an entrepreneur and owning my own business. It just it just kind of worked out that way. But I what I take from what you just said though is that whether it was family or not, you found yourself in the presence. And you talked about this last segment of great people, great people who mentored you, people who obviously gave you ideas. It's sort of like, you know, iron sharpens iron. You, you're constantly looking to sharpen the saw, improve yourself. And I think that's what you're saying. Correct me if I'm wrong, that drawing off people who are successful has helped to make you successful. I, I think that's always the case. I mean, the, you know, it's so typical, but the more successful people you surround yourself with, the more successful you're going to be. I mean, it's, it's just the more you learn the better you are, the better you strive to be. All of those things happen when you're when you're surrounded by great, successful people. So what absolutely. about uh, some of the influential books that uh, you've read? Well, can you mention, uh, you know, what are some books that have had uh, impact on you? Um, so, you know, Malcolm Gladwell is, of course, great. Um, I've read uh, every sales book uh, known to man. Um, uh, to me, the so I, I am uh, I definitely read, but I am to your point more. I get more out of conversations and learning from people than you know. Just some people just want to sit down and consume books all day long. I'm I'm more excited by sitting down with you um, or or someone else and just having a great conversation, understanding their business. You know, how are you generating customers? How are you operating at scale? How are you doing these things? And and so that's been, uh, I would say, the best learning for me is talking to lots of great people, going back to your point. You know, I wanted to um, ask you about the project that you did, um, you know, the patriotic uh, country project you did. Uh, give us a little bit of background, how you got into that and how it evolved. Sure. So um, at the time, I had a, a record label, and we partnered with uh, Sony. So we produced a compilation CD, like a, like a now or totally country. We had a series called Patriotic Country, a couple of uh, top, top 10 gold albums. And the USO um, was our charity for those, um, for those CDs. And uh, we had a lot of success with the USO, and we started chatting with them. And we said, you know, whatever happened to those old Bob Hope variety shows that you guys used to do? And they said, we never produced them. We just licensed our name. And and I said, well, would you license your name to us for television? And they they agreed. And, and that was the catalyst to then produce um, a modern day version of that Bob Hope variety show. So we it was a long, long process. It was honestly probably the hardest thing I ever did. We went out initially, so we had the USO's name um, to use exclusively in conjunction with television. So we went out and tried to sell that to all the networks. And the traditional television models, you go, you sell your show to the network. You hear, you know, and you're yeah. the executive producer. They pay you to be the executive producer. The other model, which happens probably 1% of the time, 
is what they call a time buy. So we went to every network. They turned us down. Um, nobody wanted to do it because uh, specials are, they take a lot of time and energy and money to get off the ground. And even though you can yield higher advertising dollars, it's not worth all the effort to put into it. So every network turned us down. So the other model is what they call a time buy. So what we did was we raised venture capital dollars and then bought, we paid to produce the television show. And then we went to ABC and said, we don't need your money to produce the show. We're going to pay you to broadcast a show. So we bought two hours of network primetime television. Um, and now instead of the instead of the network owning the commercials. You retained all rights. We retain all the rights. So we own all the commercial inventory, all the brand integration, um, all that content that we can now repurpose. So we took a show and we sold it off to GAC, Great American Country, and then we took wow. the comedy and spiced that off. And you know, and you can you can monetize this in as many different ways as possible. That's kind of the, the model. You could probably teach a marketing class on, on that t- topic alone. That's amazing. Uh, so, so we did that, and, and it, was, uh, it was fantastic. That's when I mentioned I was living in Los Angeles at the time. We're going back and forth between here and there. And uh, I'm not sure if I answered your question. No, I gave you a long I, answer I, to I, I'm, I'm, well. listening. I'm listening because... I was, you know, hanging out, you and uh, our friend, uh, our friend Mark Mizell, um, you know, we would meet uh, over at Dragonfly and sit around and you guys, yeah, we're working on this special and I'd listen to you and to hear that you actually pulled it off and, and did it successfully was pretty cool. I thought that, you know, for a couple guys that, you know, just came up with this idea, which to me was, um, a long shot, and uh, you were able to do it and pull it off. And I'm just fascinated by the fact that you retained all the rights and all the ancillary, everything. Like you said, all the spinoff rights. That That's quite a story. Yeah, it was, uh, like I said, it was a, a lot of fun. I don't regret it. it. was What I realized was that many years for one thing, I, I need to see more progress along the way. <laughs> it was a, a, a long road to get there and totally worth it. Um, but uh, but I decided television. It was fun to do, but I definitely don't want to spend the next you know thirty years. Doing so what did you go into next? From there, I had a um, I had a medical marketing company. So I didn't start the company. A buddy of mine approached me and said, you know, we're looking to uh, I'm looking to sell this company over the next twenty four months. Um, you know, you're the best sales business development guy I know. Come help me build out the company. And, um, and so that's exactly what I did. So we, we, uh, I came in, I joined him. We somewhere between doubled and tripled the company over a two-year period. Um, and then we were acquired by a publicly traded company, Everyday Health wow. in New York. Um, and we grew, it was a small business when we were acquired, but extremely profitable. We grew it from about a $3 million business unit to about a $40 million business unit. Um, and that's when I was going to New York a lot. And uh, so that, that's what I did next. So, again, we have another great guest we could probably spend at least an hour with, if not more. And to that end, you know, we have to wrap up this segment in just a moment. But one thing I want to cover quickly, but it's important, advice for young entrepreneurs, kids, young men, young women coming out of college. What would you say to them, particularly facing the challenges with COVID? I think there's really probably two big takeaways if I had to say it. One is... It's probably the most cliche statement, but there's no substitute for hard work. Like, I killed myself, literally, figuratively, every, you know, every possible way for a long, long time to, to build these businesses. And, and, you know, there's just no substitute for it. Um, and then the other is just opportunity is usually right in front of you. You just, you just have to see it. And when you see when you see that opportunity, you have to be willing to dive in and take advantage of it. Sure. Um, and if you combine that with hard work, I don't want to say you're guaranteed success because everything is everything is harder than you expect, <laughs> takes longer than you expect, and costs more than you expect. But but when you find a great opportunity and you work hard at it, oftentimes things work out. So you've got a LinkedIn page. If people want to call you, pick your brain, just like you pick other people's brains, passing it forward. What would be the best way for people to get a hold of you? Uh, they can just look me up on LinkedIn. It's Brian Edelstein. And just uh, message me on LinkedIn. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm on there all the time, so I'm happy to get back. And I'm, I'm happy to help anyone who wants to chat. Okay. Again, 
fantastic segment. I so appreciate what you've had to say. I'm going to make my kids watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Again, you've been watching Meldon Law and Friends. It's a weekly podcast from the Meldon Law Firm. We have three offices statewide. In Gainesville is our primary office where we've been since the early 70s. We're now in our sixth decade, uh, decade of operation. We have offices in Central Florida, in Marion County, and our newest office, four years in operation in South Florida, covering the entire Tri-County area, Miami-Dade County, Broward County, all the way through Palm Beach. I know that that was a dream of yours, Jeffrey. We're now a statewide firm and the official sponsor of the Florida Gators. Yeah, it's, it's going to be uh, exciting uh, to see the development. You sure. and I uh, have our dreams for uh, how things are going to evolve. Uh, but there's always little changes here and there. And uh, we're going to roll, roll with the flow and see what happens. And like what Brian said, uh, you have to be there and be aware of what the opportunities are. And, you know, one of the messages I, uh, you know, tell all of our uh, listeners and uh, viewers is uh, if we can help in any way, if you want to talk to me about some idea that you have and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll make time to sit and chat with you. you, you know? And he means it. He's not kidding. 1-800-373-8000. You've been watching Melden Law and Friends. Stick around. Thank you for being a part of this show. I was riding as a passenger in my friend's vehicle. A fellow ran a stop sign and we T-boned him. Had neck and shoulder and knee injuries and didn't know what to do. And I remember seeing one of Jeffrey's ads. So I gave him a call. He explained everything to me. I'd go see him and everything was done. Everything was taken care of. Don't waste your time with anybody else. Go see Jeffrey. Hello and welcome back to Meldon Law and Friends, a weekly podcast from Meldon Law. We have three offices statewide, Gainesville, Ocala, and South Florida, covering the entire Tri-County area. And this is, of course, as we've been saying, our first podcast of 2021. We're so appreciative to all of you who've been watching us on multiple platforms, listening on multiple audio platforms. But I want to first thank our great guest these last two segments, Brian Edelstein, Many words of inspiration, I think, for not just young people coming out of college, but really anybody. And uh, I'm certainly going to take those words to heart and rewatch this. And But I also want to thank our first guest, uh, Nathan Whitaker. What a tremendous uh, life and career he's had. And safe to say we'll have both these guys back. Yes. I think, uh, Brian, <clears throat> it's interesting because I've known you since you were uh, a young college kid, right? <laughs> Uh, hawking uh, ads, you know, in, in yep. uh, Insight Magazine. And now to see you grow over the last 20 years has been um, wonderful because I, I really enjoy uh, seeing young people grow. Chris is uh, serious. He's got triplets who are, how old are they? 22? 23. 23, 23 two now. boys and a girl. Yeah, I'm so going to make them watch this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we got to talk about, we have to talk about the Gators. So disappointing loss. Hey, but you know what? I'm still very pumped about the season as a whole. Sorry to end it on a, on a loss, but at the same time, it was a magical season. We still won the SEC East. Not a bad year. Not only that, think about it. Um, between the two Kyles, Kyle Pitts and Kyle Trask, we had two players that were uh, in the number one. Trask was in the Heisman uh, sure. Top four, sure. you know, Pitts is is considered to be, uh, you know, one of the top. You know, and uh, Heisman announcements coming up in just a few days. I think it's the fifth, just yeah. four days from now. So who knows? And but a lot of great players on the team, and I think we built the foundation for the future. I think um, the young high school players are now looking at the Gators and understanding they're for real. And you figure that we had seven players, seven starters who didn't play this week, uh, you know, four of whom are, you know, we had several going to the NFL. We lost one to COVID, but all things considered, I'm extraordinarily proud of this team. Hey, we beat Georgia and we won the SEC East. And and that's really the most important thing because the goal when you start the season sure. is always to beat Georgia and <laughs> win the SEC. And, and Brian, you know, you were talking about you, you were a freshman in 96. That was a pretty magical year. Think about that. First year national championship. It was a great time to be a Gator, for sure. All right. And you've seen lots more since then. Like you said, you stayed in town since. 
the back-to-back, the, the basketball, the football. It's a pretty yep. great place to live here. It is. <laughs> Again, want to thank you for watching Melden Law and Friends. This is our first episode for 2021, but we're going to be back each and every Friday after this. We'll be back next Friday, January 8th, 2021. You can look at our backlog of other episodes on the Melden Law Facebook page, or you can go to YouTube. Uh, subscribe to us. That way you won't miss anything. You'll see the head ball coach from last year, and we had uh, Shane Matthews, lots of others, and a lot of other good ones coming up. Yes, and uh, we look forward to having a wonderful 2021, and Happy New Year to everybody. Happy New Year. We'll see you next week. Happy New Year.